Hello, and welcome back to the two-player bros. Two-player bros! <laughs> I'm player number one, I'm Mike player Butler. Two. I'm excited. I'm sorry. That's a little That's a little too much. Yeah, tone it down a notch. No, I'm excited. Uh, that's that's cool. Aren't I you mean, excited? You can be a little excited. I'm looking at your levels right now on that uh, audio recorder there. Yo, get on my level, bro. Yeah. You're going to cause me to do some editing, aren't you? All right. Well, we are the two-player bros. I am Mike Butler, player number one. I'm Alex Butler, player number two. And this is the second installment of Two Player Bros. This is the podcast by two brothers who play way too many video games. Uh, a little bit about ourselves. I'm Mike Butler, player number one. I'm an actor and writer, and I guess now a podcaster, based on the East Coast. And until that takes off, to pay the bills, I manage a movie theater. On the video game side of things, I'm mostly a console gamer. I have an Xbox One X, a PlayStation 4, a Nintendo Switch, so I mostly play those. I do have a PC and an HTC Vive, so I do play PC games every once in a while, but mostly I'm a uh, console guy. How about you, bro? I am Alex Buller. I am an IT professional and terrible streamer. I wouldn't really say terrible streamer, but no one likes me enough to watch me. Oh. Yeah, it's upsetting. Any Anyone want to watch my Twitch stream? Anyone? No? Okay. Uh, I play only pretty much PC games. I have an N64 and old-ass consoles, but for the most part, I am primarily a PC gamer. All right, that's that's true. So for those of you who have not heard the first podcast, a little background on our gaming lives. We have played pretty much every console imaginable, um, starting with the NES, um, then Atari, which is a weird order, but that's the order I played when I was a kid anyway, NES. Then my parents let us play their fancy old Atari. We had to be responsible enough to play an ancient system of that kind. Very true. Very true. There were a few games that never worked. Hopefully they don't play most. I don't think so. But uh, played NES, Atari, Genesis, the 32X Attachment, PlayStation, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Pocket, Game Boy Advanced, uh, Nintendo 64, Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One, and Player One, Mike over here, has played PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4. Yes, and Nintendo Switch. I also had a th- I also have a... Nintendo 3DS as well. So, I mean, you've noticed that there are a couple of omissions there. Uh, the biggest one, I believe, would be the uh, Super Nintendo. We never had one growing up, although we did play it often at friends, various friends' houses and our neighbor's house. So we are familiar with the history of the uh, Super Nintendo. Indeed. Also, I unfortunately have a PlayStation Vita. It's dead now. It's been dead for a while. I'm sorry. So that's enough about us. Let's uh, go over what we're going to talk about today. We are going to have our normal Q&A session at the beginning. Then we're going to go over some news. Uh, new Xbox might be coming out. New season of Fortnite. Borderlands 3 rumors abound. And there's a certain uh, hedgehog who's going to have a movie made out of him coming out. And there's some leaked images on the web. We're going to tell you what we think about those. We're going to preview Division 2 and the upcoming World War Z game. And then we have some reviews for you. We have Ape Out. And then we have... Toe Jam and Earl back in the groove. And then, bro, uh... Final Fantasy to City NT came out for PC finally. So we're going to give you our thoughts on that. Why don't we begin, bro? Let's, uh... Round one. Fight! 
You have to say flip the page. That's oh. thing. I don't know that. <laughs> flip the page. All right, bro. So we got a few questions this week. Weren't you? Uh, you want to start off asking the first one? Question number one: What is your earliest childhood game memory? You want me to take it? Take it. So, I know we played Nintendo and Atari first, but I think my first actual really vivid memory of playing video games was Sonic the Hedgehog 1, when we first got the Genesis, hooking it up in our parents' room because it was their system that they got to play because we always hogged the NES. And just seeing that background pop up for the first time, that menu screen with Green Hill Zone in the background and the water, Sonic the Hedgehog popping out of his title screen was really something I vividly remember just looking at as a kid and going, wow, uh, that those are amazing <laughs> graphics. Um, because that back then they were, you were jumping from 8-bit to 16-bit and it showed. Moving background layers. That was pretty impressive. Hell yeah. And that will always stick with me, I think. Well... I could lie and come up with a different childhood memory of video games, but that was my earliest childhood video game memory. So, player one, curse you for stealing my childhood memory. That is mine as well. Nice. Sonic 1. I have flashes of playing other Nintendo games and the Atari games, but nothing so transformative as that moment, I believe. So I think it, I think that brings us closer together as brothers having the same memory. Get away from me. Touch my hand. Don't touch me there. <laughs> Question number two. What is your favorite controller? Ooh. You know, you know I took the first one first. You, you take this one first. So I have a couple answers for that. Being a PC gamer... I obviously have to say keyboard and mouse because playing a first-person shooter with the precision of a mouse is part and none with a normal controller in your hand. Using a joystick to aim is nothing compared to a mouse and the precision you get with that. But if you're playing a platformer, obviously controllers are better. So my second answer would have to be, though, DDR pad. (laughs) And... It's only because that is the only control, well, pretty much the only controller where you can lose a lot of weight by using it. And you don't even have to be restricted to DDR games. Go on YouTube. You'll find tons of people playing really random games with a DDR pad. There is someone who beat Dark Souls with a DDR pad. I was going to say, someone beat Dark Souls with a Guitar Hero controller. It's it's getting out of hand. I don't know what they're going to beat Dark Souls with next. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to know. I can't even beat it with a controller. Yeah. I got stuck on the wolf, and then my friend came over and beat him on his first try using my character that he's not used to. I was very sad. Yeah. It's fun, though. Very fun. Very fun. <laughs> All right. We have a third question, don't we? I don't think I answered oh, my question. Oh, you didn't answer yours? Cut that <laughs> out. So, my favorite controller, the Duke controller, as it is so lovingly named, uh, was not a good controller. It was so ridiculous that people loved it. But then Xbox turned it around with the original Xbox One, the, the tinier controller. And then Xbox One, Xbox 360 came out, excuse me. And that controller was great. And now the Xbox One controller is, I think, fantastic. I think it's amazing, near perfect. I think it fits in your hand well. I think you can reach every button. I think the design is sleek and stylish. 
the PlayStation controller took so long to catch up to it. And the only reason the PlayStation 4 controller is good, and it is very good now, is because they adopt a lot from the Xbox controller. So I would have to say the Xbox One controller is probably my favorite. But you got to hand it to the Nintendo 64 for making probably the weirdest controller that looks like a, a bunch of bananas and making it work. I think that was a really At least interesting controller. The bananas and not something else. Hey, man. Family friendly, kind of. Sort of. Sort of. We talked about beer on our first podcast. It's rated explicit, but... What do you, what do you, want, you want me to say that Nintendo controller looks like a bag of dicks? I wouldn't say a bag of dicks. Just three I would, dicks. I would think like a three-clawed like, dick. Like a dick trident. Like a dick trident, yeah. A dictant? A dictant. A tried... Tridick. 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 Yeah, okay. It's a Tridick. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Game, the Rumble Pack is is the scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> if anyone's listening with speakers um, in public, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> That's why you're player two. Yeah. <laughs> Tails all day. Anyway, moving on, we have a third question. We do have a third question. The third question is, what weird video game mashup would you like to see? Oh, I don't know. Are we talking Super Smash Brothers? You just mix two video game worlds. I guess you don't even have to mix worlds. It could be like characters being in a different video game world or just anything. Like, think Kingdom Hearts, for example. That's weird as hell. That is weird. You I know, mean, Super Smash Brothers was weird when it first came out. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, really good, but I don't know what... I mean, I, I, I know the story behind it and why it came about, but still, who would think... Oh, Mickey, he would look great next to Sephiroth. You know what I would love to see? And this is because I've been thinking about him a lot lately. I've made, like, four jokes about him out about amongst friends and stuff. I want mascots like Gex the Gecko, the Jersey Devil. I want the old... I mean, he's not really a mascot. I want the old wannabe mascots like Bugsby and and stuff like that. I want them all in a game together where their whole goal is to become relevant again and become hit, hit the big time like they never were in this, this whole clash of these B and C type heroes, platforming heroes coming together. I think that'd be a really funny, almost meta type game, and I would like to see that. Hmm. That'd be very interesting. That's a lot of mashing. I can't imagine the rights to these guys cost too much money at this point. Yeah, it'd be like the expendables of video games. Pretty much. How about you, bro? What what would what mashup would you like to see? You know what would be a weird mashup? But pretty fun and exciting. Who would that be? Bro? I think it would work pretty well because they're both semi same stylish. Overwatch versus Super Smash Brothers. I could see some of the Overwatch guys being in Smash. You know, I could yeah. see you putting the because uh, it's like violent, but like there. not like gory. I would say the only thing Overwatch really has in like the kind of mature, more mature gameplay is the fact that you kill. In Overwatch. Because you don't really kill in Smash Brothers, you knock them off the stage. Mm. But aside from that, I mean, I feel like the art style, the combat, the shenanigans in Overwatch 
I feel like it would work with Super Smash if you just put Overwatch characters in Super Smash Brothers. I think that I don't see why you couldn't do it. Yeah, Snake is a character in, in Smash Brothers. This is true. You got Samus. She kills. I mean, aliens. But I mean, that's kind of violent. You got Cloud from Final Fantasy. Yeah. So I, I can see you putting some uh, Overwatch guys in there. Got the hamster ball. Oh, that would be so fun. Imagine the moveset you could do in Smash Brothers with the hamster ball. He'd play like a Yoshi, kind of like always putting himself on the ball. Winston can essentially uh, be a Donkey Kong skin. That's essentially true. the same. Yeah, just with a giant laser gun instead. A slightly different moveset. Yeah. I feel like it would work pretty well. That's a good matchup, bro. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, bro. All right, so I think that about does it for our Q&A. If any of you guys have any other questions you'd like to ask us for future podcasts, you can always find us on our Twitter, at Two Player Bros, or email us directly at twoplayerbrospodcast at gmail.com with the subject Q&A and ask us a question. If we like your questions, you'll be, uh, we'll put them on air. So let's uh, flip, the, flip page. the page. So in our first bit of news, bro, there's rumors abound that a new third Xbox might be available for sale by the end of 2019. Have you heard about these rumors, bro? Brother, my ears have heard and my eyes have read of this mysterious device you speak of. A discless Xbox One. Indeed, it's the end of physical games as we know it, folks. This is the beginning. Fear not, though, my brother, for all you must do with your physical copies is bring them to a Windows store and trade them in for a digital copy. I didn't even know you could do that. That is what the fates have foretold. Interesting. The fates being some news articles. Nice. Um... I'm okay with this. I mean, honestly, I, I'm a little sad because I still buy my movies on Blu-ray. I enjoy all the special features. However, in terms of video games, I can't... I, I do remember the last physical game I bought was Zelda Breath of the Wild because it came bundled with my Switch. And before that, on Xbox or PlayStation 4, it was Batman Arkham Knight because I wanted GameStop's DLC. Other than that, I have been all digital since xbox one came out it's just kind of the future it is it's because games these days the textures are so detailed and the audio files are so uncompressed for better quality that you can't fit games on physical discs anymore they're just way too big that and patching it's the era where games one day can change a lot the next so in order to patch these files the files have to be on editable rewritable media which discs are not yeah so i'm okay with this change it'll make the xboxes cheaper rumor has it that it might be up to a hundred dollars cheaper uh this is all coming from sources from the website throt.com and it won't be actually part of the new uh scarlet rumored scarlet xbox which is going to come out later on that the actual new generation of hardware the next generation hardware indeed so so that's kind of interesting. And keep your ears and eyes to the ground. You know, if you have a Nintendo Switch but have always wanted a PlayStation 4 or Xbox, that might be the decision maker for you. Or if you have a PlayStation 4 and just wanted an Xbox to play with some friends or play some of the exclusives, but it's always been too expensive to justify another version of that 
a similar system, maybe this will be the deciding factor. Maybe if your brother has a console and you never play with him because you're a PC guy and he doesn't want to pay for a new Xbox and this Xbox is cheaper, maybe uh, maybe you want to get that Xbox? I'm looking at you, bro. Probably not, but <sighs> I'll, I'll come over and play it. All right. The next bit of news we have is about Fortnite Season 8. So, for anyone who plays Fortnite, Season 8 has been on for a little while now, but there are some couple changes, a couple of big changes to the map. You got the volcano now being placed in the map. You've got a pirate ship location. Uh, there are pirate cannons. And the whole thing is very pirate-themed. Getting the battle pass will allow you to get a pirate who can be upgraded as you play through the game and get more battle pass score to become this gnarly skeleton ghost pirate. It was pretty cool looking. Fish Six is back, but this time he's a pirate. I missed him. Hopefully he comes back around again. I think Fish Six is kind of cool looking. He's the funniest, doofiest character. And that's kind of what Fortnite's all about. I think my brother would agree. No. <laughs> Honestly, I'm pretty much doing this news article to torture him. Uh, There are geysers along the map that'll get you to jump. You can then glide around the map after that. Those are pretty fun. I was playing with my buddies the other day. We were using that as well as the lava. Uh, Strangely enough, doesn't do too much damage to you. does a little bit, but enables you to hop around, which I'd have to ask a volcanologist, but I don't think that's how lava works. Gonna have to ask the experts, but don't think you bounce all over the place when you fall into lava. So I would definitely give the Battle Pass a try. Like I said, it's uh, it's a lot of fun when the new seasons come out and you get all the new items and objects. Kind of breathes fresh life into the game every time Fortnite has a new season that does big changes like this and adds and takes away stuff from the map. Some people are disappointed. Some people are excited. But there's always something new to experience, which is kind of cool. Some people miss Paragon. Sour grapes, ladies and gentlemen. I present to you sour grapes. Hashtag bring back Paragon. Join the movement. Ladies and gentlemen, ignore him. He's... Drunk with podcast power. Paragon. Bro, you want to bring up the next piece of news we got going on? And in the news, the interwebs has spoken. And the interwebs, I mean Twitter. And on Twitter, Gearbox software. They have tweeted a picture in good old cel-shaded glory on an empty desert. A sign. On this sign, written in what may be blood or just red paint, says May 28th, Boston M.A. Ooh, a date. Do you know what that date is, my brother? I believe it is uh, the end of May. I believe it is a Tuesday. You'd be correct on that one. Yes. It is a Tuesday. But not only is it a Tuesday, it is also PAX East. Ah. So, what we can all assume from this, Borderlands 3 is finally going to be announced. I only have one question. Will Claptrap be there? Yeah, probably. Yes! He isn't dead yet. I do love me some Claptrap. Borderlands 2 came out in 2012. It was that long ago? That long ago. Wow, it's been a long time since the sequel. Yep, seven years ago. And then the pre-sequel came out in 2014. So it has technically been five years since the last Borderlands game. Been a long time coming. That's a long time. I'm excited. It's going to be built off of Unreal Engine 4. The biggest problem, being a tech guy, of uh, Borderlands 2 and pre-sequels engine was 
anytime you had anything physics going on, the frame rate would just drop. And that kind of killed it for a lot of people, including me. Although I still think it's one of the best games ever. So this engine, it'll run a lot smoother. It's going to look a lot more beautiful, but it's still going to have this cel-shaded style. You don't have to worry about losing that. It's still going to be cel-shaded. Wouldn't be Borderlands without it. I'm excited to see what uh, is revealed at PAX East about it. Because so far they've kept their mouths shut. We know nothing about it. Aside from that, it's still going to be cel-shaded and use Unreal Engine 4. Yeah, I remember they two or three years ago at an E3 or some kind of video game conference to show off their tech that Gearbox was working on. There was a little demo that used Borderlands as the theme, but it wasn't really footage from the game. No, they hid the character's face, but I mean, it's been in development for so long at this point. Like, who knows if that's actually a character that's going to be in the game, even though they hid the face and tried so hard to do that. So good news, Borderlands fans. You're finally getting your Borderlands 3. Bad news, Half-Life fans, you're never getting your Half-Life 3. Thanks, Steam. Thanks, Gaben. Love you. I've given Gaben so much money. But we have something else to talk about. Ugh, I guess we have to. Unfortunately. Our, remember when we were talking about our first childhood video game memories, Mike? That big, big moment in our lives. Huge moment. Just kind of stamped in there. Yes, I do, Alex. How... The mighty have fallen. Ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about Sonic the Nopog. The Nopog, ladies and gentlemen. What, 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 what was wrong with Sonic? There was nothing wrong with Sonic. I think the 3D models of him in the most recent games were amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the new live-action Sonic the Hedgehog leaked images that came out uh, earlier this week. And we're, we're not fans. Granted... He could have looked a lot worse, but I don't think he looks good. He doesn't even have gloves anymore. No white gloves, blue legs, uh, like a thick upper body, which is fine, I guess. But he's a runner. He looks like like Knuckles. He's he's too beefy. And his eyes. His eyes are weird. And his instead of like the nice like tan color around his mouth and, and belly, it's it's this white fur and his legs are all blue, and it just does not work at all. And fur. I mean, if they're trying to go realistic, hedgehogs have spikes, not fur. You know, I'm I'm kind of okay with the fur, because Sonic was never really... You never really got the feeling he was spiky, and in the newer ones, when they do have, like, a slight zoom, they did do put a little fur on the on the boy. But I, I hear you. I hear you. But, but Sonic... That's... Not my hedgehog. No pog. That being said, I still hope this movie's good. I love Sonic. One of the best parts about Sonic that I think separate him from Mario is the fact that he has, I would say, a more concise story. He is much more of a a clear-cut character. He has a voice. He has an attitude. He has a personality. And when you translate that into the cartoons, all the cartoons have done that very well. And I just hope the movie really keeps the theme going like that. One can only hope. It's got to be saved somehow. I know Ben Schwartz plays Sonic, which is cool. I like him. He's from Parks and Rec. I love that Jim Carrey's Dr. Robotnik slash Eggman. I think that's a really interesting casting choice. But here's my question. Why couldn't they get the the Sonic voice actor who's voiced Sonic in... Jaleel White, also known as Steve Urkel. But he's voiced Sonic in everything. Even in, even in a movie, he's voiced Sonic. 
Wreck-It Ralph. Was that still Jaleel? Yes, it was. Or was that the video game Sonic? Oh, that was the video game Sonic. The video game Sonic is not Jaleel White. Well, whoever video game Sonic is, is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the cartoon show Sonic. I don't know their names. (laughs) Cartoon show Sonic is who we grew up with. He was no, my no. first voice no, no, no. Sonic. I'm talking I'm talking the video game Sonics. Since Sonic Adventure One came out on the Sega Dreamcast in nineteen ninety nine or nineteen ninety eight. I think it was ninety nine in US and ninety eight in Japan. But regardless he's been my Sonic. And he was Wreck It Ralph Sonic. And he was Ralph Breaks the Internet Sonic. He's always he's he's Sonic. Listen, man, I agree with that. Just but like the guy who voiced Mario back in Mario 64 is still the Mario to this day. This is true. Why, but why are you changing my Sonic? Mario's got less to say. Sonic's been played by other people before. Give Ben Schwartz a chance as long as he's got the attitude and style. Not my hedgehog. Just make sure Jim Carrey eats a lot if he's going to be Eggman. There's a reason they call him Eggman is he's got to look like an egg. He's not going to get away with this. I better see a big old mustache, and he better be fat. I also want to see the Wrecking Ball uh, spaceship. I think that'd be a cool nod. And I do like they have already announced that the movie takes place in uh, Green Hill Zone Valley or something like that. Hmm. So I think that's kind of clever. Is Amy going to be in it? Is Sonic going to have his love interest in it? Well, I don't know. not really his love interest. Her, her love interest is Sonic. His love interest is Sally. We'll see. Time will tell. So far, I think they've only announced Sonic and Dr. Robotnik. They haven't really no teased any other characters. There better at least be Tails. We'll see. Better be Chaos Emeralds. But who knows? Maybe those will have fur, too. Chaos Emeralds will have fur? Yeah. That's weird emeralds. I mean, they're just adding fur. You're going off everything. the deep end now. I'm sad. Not my hedgehog. I'm sorry. They're killing my childhood. There's still time. Change the CG. Can Change we... it all up. Can we, can we stop making everything in our childhood live action? Why is that? Why is that the latest meme? Why do they have to make our childhood live action this year? This is the year of Aladdin, Lion King, Lion King, Dumbo, Dumbo, Pikachu, Sonic. Well, Pikachu looks fantastic. I actually am really excited. All right, for I like Detective everything Pikachu. about Pikachu except Ryan Reynolds. I love that. I actually think it should have been Danny DeVito. Pikachu is supposed to sound cute and like a little tiny Pika Pika, not not Ryan, not Deadpool. Pika Pika. See, he doesn't even try. He doesn't even try to sound cute. He doesn't need to. He's being the he's the voice. Of, anyway, this is an article about Sonic the Nopog. We're done. We're done talking about Detective Pikachu. We're going off the deep end now. We are, cause not my hedgehog. Let's flip the page. Flip the page. La Pahina. All right, Bruce, we've got our first preview of the podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about Division 2. I'm sorry, Tom Clancy's Division 2. As long as you don't divide by zero, because then it won't exist. Ooh, math. I like it. I actually hate it. <laughs> so this game is going to be released on PC, Xbox, and PlayStation 4. Sorry, Switch fans. You're going to be sitting this one out. Interesting fact about the PC version. It was available on Steam and Epic Games Game Store. Took it away. They, uh, I guess they offered them more money, some kind of deal. And Ubisoft took the game off of Steam, 
people who pre-ordered got refunds and it went over to their game store. Um, and that wasn't too long ago. So that kind of, that kind of sucks. I think it's one thing to say, Hey, this is exclusive somewhere else, but to take it away after it's already been up for pre-sale is, is kind of, I don't know. Yeah. I'm hating this whole Epic games trying to outdo steam thing. Like, I mean, I get it. They're trying to make their money and do their thing. But, I don't know, as as a primarily PC gamer, I want all my games in one place. And yes, I know, you can add games to the game library, like uh, like a third-party app. But then you launch Steam to launch another launcher to launch your game. I don't want to do that. Just keep my games in one place. Just, I don't know, that's my two cents. Every All these games that move over to these different plat, uh, DRM platforms, they're losing my sales. I just, I don't like the idea of a monopoly. So in that respect, I understand another competitor coming out. But I think if you're going to have exclusive games, do it for a game that hasn't already been announced for a system before taking it away. I don't think that's a good... It's not a good move for the person making the game, and it's not a good move for Epic. It's not a good look for Epic Games, I don't think. But that's just a little side note. That's not what this is about. We're actually talking about the game. I played it on Beta 4, the Xbox. So that's not what we're really here to talk about today. We're here to actually preview the game. Um, I had a chance to play the open beta on the Xbox. Um, Player 2, unfortunately, you were... Missed out on the open beta on the PC, so... Unfortunately. There are things going on that I had to take care of. Makes sense, makes sense. Life happens. I can tell you from my experience playing the game, I played a decent amount of Division 1. That I think Division 2 benefits from being the second Division. It has all of the updates and add-ons that made Division 1 better as it went on. Its graphics are obviously... A little increase, a little better. In the short time I played of the beta, I enjoyed the fact that you have multiple safe houses to repair. You're not just repairing one place, whereas in Division, the first one, you really were focused on your one safe house at the very beginning of the game. In this one, it seems like not only do you have to repair the White House or the Capitol Building, but there's a district um, right off the bat where you're kind of repairing this this cobbled together bunch of different apartment buildings that are making themselves into a community center, and you upgrade that, as well as it looks like there are quite a few others. I think the weapons feel a little punchier. And right off the bat, I noticed in the very first mission where I take back the Capitol building, the game actually seems more difficult right off the start, where I felt when I began Division 1, um, and this isn't necessarily a letdown, uh, I felt maybe too powerful. I felt like I could do anything, and as the game progressed, you know, there were missions that were difficult, but at the start of this game, you know, taking at the Capitol was tough. It was a tough mission. I felt like I was actually not stuck doing a tutorial. I felt like I was actually actively playing a mission uh, where there were stakes at hand already. And I think that's a great start to the game, especially being a multiplayer game online only. I know you love the MMOs, but I always feel like there's a lack of accomplishment in these games other than loot. And I think, although there is definitely loot in Division 2, I think solely loot bait games kind of are why I never really want to play massive multiplayer games. And Division 2 kind of changes that by giving you this storyline, by giving you missions where you feel like you're actually accomplishing something within the world and seeing the changes that you bring about, which I think is neat. 
from what I have heard and seen. I mean, the weapons feel great. There are a ton of different weapon variants as you go on. There's skill trees. I got to play a little bit with the drone as my sidekick, which was pretty neat, sending the drone out to shoot people and sending him back to me. And I know that there's a lot, and this is very important in a game like Division, like Destiny and those type of games, uh, end game content, having something at the end that makes you feel like you need to keep on going. And Division 2 seems to have that in spade with a new upgrade system for your character, a whole new skill set of skill trees to upgrade. You have new weapons to get. Obviously, the Dark Zones progress as you go through the game. And from the trailers they've released, there's actually a whole different storyline with a new group of enemies that only appear after you beat the main game, which I think is pretty interesting. Remember last episode, bro, we were talking about people adding things on after the fact to increase the game after you pay for the base game? DLC. Annoying paid DLC. Exactly. And it This is almost like DLC that you're getting free of charge right at the start of the game. You beat the game. Here's a whole nother storyline instead of bad guys um, to have to worry about, you know, with mechanical dogs and upgraded armor. These guys are the real deal, and I think that's pretty cool. Obviously, the game is out now for people who bought the more expensive versions of the game. While we're recording this, when you're listening to this, it will have already just released for a few days, and I have... No doubt that I will be playing a decent amount of it where I can give you my review starting in the next podcast. Yeah. Yeah, but for now, that's it. So we've got another preview to talk about today, bro. Uh, did you hear that there's a uh, a war brewing? Which war? The uh, war on drugs? No. The war against terrorism? No. Kind of. The war against zombies. I'm talking World War Z. World War Z. World War Z. So Does the Z stand for zombies? Zombies, Zeeks, whatever you want to call them. The books are called Zeeks, apparently. Oh. Well, yeah. Yeah. Anyone who's seen the movie knows what it's all about. Fast, vicious, swarming zombies. And Brad Pitt. Mm, I don't think he's in this game, though. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Come to think of it, I don't think Brad Pitt's likeness has ever been in an actual video game. Somebody Come do the research and get back to us. Come on, developers. <laughs> Missing out on that sweet, sweet Brad Pitt money. Mm. So, we've seen a little bit of this game, and uh, I'm cautiously excited for it. I think it looks kind of uh, kind of cool, kind of dope. It's like Left for Dead mm-hmm. with a lot more fun things added to it. And Left 4 Dead is a pretty freaking awesome game, if you ask me. Left 4 Dead's a lot of fun. So this game is a four-player co-op game where you play survivors of the zombie outbreak in different cities such as New York, Moscow, and Jerusalem, which are all locations that were featured in the movie and the book. Uh, you don't play any any actual characters from those, either the movie or the book. You just play new characters from the game in these locations and settings. But, man, does it look... Uh, Hectic and fun. There's a lot of zombies. There is a lot of zombies. Like a lot of zombies. It might be more than I've seen in Dead Rising. And Dead Rising has a lot of zombies. Yeah, and they certainly don't all run at you at once. And they don't climb over each other to make a ladder of hundreds of zombies. Right, and that's 
that's one of the things I did like in the movie, although I'm not a huge fan of the movie, was that the zombies move almost like an ant colony or like fungus. You know, they all just kind of move on top of each other like bacteria. I always thought that was kind of cool. Indeed. And that was one of the first things I saw, must have been about a year ago now in the first footage of the game, was that swarm technology, and I was just floored by it. I mean, these are actual individual character models of these zombies um, enemies, AI, and they all do react together to create this wall. And I think that's pretty cool. I agree. So I think that was pretty neat. I think the weapons look cool. I think the graphics actually don't look too bad either. The thing that concerns me is maybe that it doesn't seem to have a story. It just seems to kind of be disjointed missions, which is fine if it's almost a solely multiplayer game. I mean, Left 4 Dead didn't really have an amazing story. They were all just kind of disjointed areas for you to try to fight and survive. Let's talk about them defense points. In this new game? Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool, putting down the barbed wire and stuff. Hunkering down. Before you could go forward, you gotta gotta defend your ground. And, uh, man, do you have to defend it against a lot of zombies. A lot of zombies. I like, also like the idea they were talking about um, in some of the gameplay footage, that these zombies don't back down, that they just come at you regardless. And you do see that in some of the gameplay footage, the zombies just stampeding each other, like the slower zombies actually fall down and get trampled over uh, in favor of some of the faster ones. I thought that was pretty cool. Listen, when you got brains on the mind, you got to get them brains. This is true. You need all the brains. Brains are good. Now, the, a couple of things that I didn't like in the footage I've seen, we've seen so far is that the characters themselves almost seem to move kind of floaty. And I'm never a big fan of that when they don't have enough weight to them. Same with weapons. I feel like if the character is going to be floaty, there's a possibility that the weapons won't feel so great in your hands or as powerful. But as long as you're mowing down, you know, hundreds and hundreds of zombies, I think that'll give you that feeling of power right then, right then and there. I'm the opposite. I like nice and smooth controls. Hmm. Makes for some more accurate headshots. There we go. Uh, but overall, I'm pretty excited about this game. Another thing that makes me nervous is it's only priced at $40, at least on the PS4 and Xbox store. What's wrong with a nice, cheaper game? Nothing, so long as it's quality. I mean, I'm okay with games not being $60 and for a company saying, hey, you know, if this game doesn't really have a single-player mode, making it $40 and saying, hey, this is essentially all just a horde mode so it's not going to be priced the same as like a a halo or a call of duty which is fine i actually i'm okay with that it just makes me nervous that maybe it's just because of the quality the quality's there and it's just a slightly just just the horde mode just a fun co-op game to play with uh your friends i mean i'm okay with that i am a fan of co-op co-op is very fun we look forward to world war z and world war z is dropping when bro april 16th 2019 all right, so that wraps up for our previews today. So why don't we uh, flip the page? So we're talking some reviews today, bro. I want to talk about a game I'm uh, going a little bananas for, if you know what I mean. <gasps> That's right. Ape Out just came out for the Nintendo Switch and is available on Steam as well. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Ape Out, bro? What, what's it about? You're a goddamn monkey. Oh, yeah. You're in a cage of glass, and you break out. And the first thing you do, you push that evil jerk that put you in there into a wall. And he explodes. (laughs) He does explode. He explodes into pools of blood. 
which happens often when you get pushed by a gorilla. I didn't, you know this, but you literally explode like the BFG hit you and do original doom. That's just just how it works. Or you could take that evil sob and throw them at like nine hundred miles per hour into another sad sack sob with a gun, and they will both explode in beautiful firework tandem explosions of blood. There's a lot of gorilla-caused blood. Yes. Ape Out is a game uh, published by Devolver Digital, known for making some uh, pretty cool indie games. Pretty interesting ideas in almost every game they make. Out of the box. They are an out-of-the-box developer. Yes, they are. And that's great. It's good to see some original content coming. I love the look of Ape Out. That was the first thing that caught my eye. Well, actually, the first thing that caught my eye was I read a preview saying there's a game coming out where you play a gorilla and that just hooked me right there devolver digital always has crazy artwork in their games like all their games have amazing art i mean hotline miami did they do hotline miami they did and i actually just realized that i was going to in my review compare this game to hotline miami it is it is gorilla hotline miami it is but before we go into gameplay let's talk more about the art style I think it's really cool that, I mean, if you just did the gorilla in, like, a regular style, like, just top-down isometric view, and it was just, like, real-life-looking graphics, A, it would be hard to follow, and B, it would just be maybe too much? Yeah. It's a very minimalistic art. There's no texture. Everything's just a color. A color. It works. And almost like a, it's got a, like a paper feel to all the color, too, like cutouts. Yeah. And another thing aesthetically that I like about the game is the music. I think the music's incredible. The music is 100% percussion-based. And it's very much like Birdman, where the action kind of guides the sound. Every person you kill gets killed with the, is the, gets killed with the sound of a drum beat, which I think is really cool. I like that your actions absolutely affect the score of the game as it goes and that's the driving force and the percussion almost mimics how quickly you play the game indeed the gameplay is uh, fairly simple like you said you just throw people or grab people and then it's got speedrun elements to it too though yes if you beat the level you get to do the arcade mode of it where there is a countdown timer and your speed and the amount of kills and everything gives you a score and it's all about how well you perform, how great of an ape you can be. This is definitely going to be a game that's going to be at events like AGDQ. I'm okay with that. The game is broken up into four different worlds. Each world is two sides of a record. So every world you get, a new record pops up on your main menu screen that you get to choose from. So your beginning ape just starts out in a lab. Then you go to disc two, where you're in a skyscraper, which has some fun moments. I know you enjoyed uh, throwing people out those windows. Oh, it was so satisfying. Watching them (laughs) fall to their demise. Uh, Disc three takes place in a... Almost seems like a South American jungle, and you get captured by some rebels, and you have to escape. So there's a lot of bombs being dropped from above. There's flamethrower guys. Every new level kind of introduces a new type of enemy to defeat, which I think is really cool. With the fourth disc being you're on a shipping container in the middle of the ocean, and you have to get docked and have to escape. Like Alex, player two had already said before, after you beat the level, you do get the arcade mode. After that, you get a hard mode for the game, and... If you beat the whole game, you get a one final epilogue level that is incredibly difficult. I've beaten the game. I have still not beaten this level. It's 
the size of like eight levels put together. And not only do you have to reach the end of the level, but then you have to run all the way back as well. Uh, all without dying in one life. That's some crazy stuff. It's incredibly difficult, but adds this life to the game and it doesn't seem unfair, which is great. Every time you go, you get a little bit further, a little bit better. Um, one thing we should mention when you die, I thought it was pretty neat that the words dead appear on the screen, but in between that, there is that kind of map that shows you what the level actually looks like and also gives you a line of how far you got and what path you took. I thought that was pretty neat. Hmm, indeed. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about the game? Anything you liked, didn't like? I really can't say there's anything I didn't like. I'm trying to think about any bad things about it when I played. Nothing's coming to mind. The controls are really good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is fun. Fun, simple gameplay. Soundtrack's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of anything negative. It's all really good fun. Yeah, neither can I. I think it's great. Uh, Each, so it's eight levels per world, four worlds, plus that one epilogue level. The game's only 20 bucks, which I think is a steal for the amount of content you get. And a game like this, you would hope would be simple enough to produce. And if it really takes off, you would hope there would be DLC and other stuff like that within the game. Uh, to add life to it, or maybe an ape out too. I hope this game has a lot of success, does very well. Yeah, I'd like to ape out some more. I think it's a great game. Ape it out. <laughs> so, like we said, ape out's available uh, digital only at the moment on Steam and the Nintendo Switch Store. So, if you had to score ape out, what would you give it, bro? I mean, me, I haven't played it as extensively as you have, but what I did play, I would have to give the game. 9 out of 10. I didn't see anything wrong with it. I would agree. 9 out of 10. It's a fantastic game. Fun for the whole family, minus kids maybe that don't want to see blood. Yeah, I don't think it's for the whole family, but it's certainly a good game. Um, it certainly doesn't take itself too seriously. For anybody wanting a challenge, but also wanting a game that's not going to take them 80 hours and is good and portable and fun to take on the road, I would definitely go with Ape Out. You can't really go wrong. 9 out of 10 from me as well. I'm glad I picked that one up. So let's move on to our next review, bro. Let's go to the next one. Hey, bro. Bro. What do you got on your toes there? A little bit of jam. A little bit of jam? Is that like raspberry? I think it's grape. Grape. Concord uh, grape? You want to try it? I mean, my <laughs> name is Earl. So. It's a great show. But what do you get when you mix the two? Oh, I think you get a game that we used to play quite a bit in our youth. In our youths. In our youths. Let's not say youths. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's a good movie. Youths? No. My cousin Vinny. That's true. <laughs> a couple youths. We're talking, of course, about Toe Jam and Earl. Toe Jam and Earl. We played more the sequel, Panic on Funkatron. Funkatron! Funk it up! Sega Genesis days, but we did play a decent amount of the original Toja Mineral. This new one, Toja Mineral, back in the groove, borrows more from the very first game in terms of the camera angles, the split screen that splits apart when you separate, and finding the pieces of the spaceship that Tojam has destroyed and placed all over Earth, which has been split into pieces in a black hole. Boy, is that game funky. Oh, it's weird. Funky, funky. So this game was actually, interestingly enough, brought back to life because of a successful Kickstarter campaign. Similar to Shenmue. Yes. 
So you will see a backer's island every once in a while while you're playing the game where I believe a like a cartoon likeness of one of the backers is standing on the island that you can see while you're playing the game. You can't get to them, but they're there, which is neat. I'm going to figure out how to get to them. One day you will. I'm going to get them. I'm going to get those backers. So the game's done in a kind of a cartoon shell stage, not really cell shaded style, but it is very cartoon like while not taking away from the old aesthetics of the old game. It's got a lot of nineties vibe happening to it. A lot of nineties style. Especially when you're going up that elevator and you get the background wallpaper going up. And the hyperfunk zone. That's right. The hyperfunk zone from Toad Emerald 2 is back in this game. Pretty much unchanged, which I thought was cool. Indeed. While I like the characters and the style of Toad Emerald, I don't think it was the best game to bring to a modern system. I, I don't know. I didn't... I just... It wasn't the most fun for me. It, it was very slow-paced. Controlled a little wobbly. I know you kept falling off the map. Yeah, I did. All the time. Listen, I got I got bunced off the map by all the enemies, okay? I fell once, maybe twice. <laughs> so in this game, you're as Toe Jam and Earl or a plethora of other characters. You are pretty much at the mercy of all the human beings that are running around, uh, running amok all over the planet. I, don't, I, I didn't find them as funny as I did in the last game. They're all caricatures of just things you see in the real life. The opera singer who sings too loud. The jackhammer guy that shakes you. A texter that isn't looking where he's going. Drone guy. Hate drone guy. Very, like, on the nose, like, hey, look, we're hip, we're modern. I I don't know if anything needed that, really. It was basically to make fun of people these days. Yeah, which is, I mean, you can make fun of people, just be a little more clever about it, I guess. I played it by myself for a while, which wasn't as fun. Playing with you was a little bit of fun. Aw, thanks, buddy. No problem. Having to, you know, save Earl or split your health with a high five. I always liked that idea, like, in... I'm pretty sure Toad Emerald was one of the first games that I can remember doing that, where if you go up to the other player, you guys can split health, which is kind of neat. The other thing I kind of like is when you die, because this is an old school game with lives where you can lose your lives and get a game over. When you die, you can be a ghost kind of helping out the player in small, very small ways. Like Spelunky almost. Right. Pretty much just like Spelunky, actually. Which is another great kind of indie game indeed retro kind of indie game so the only thing that i don't like about toe jam and roll is is probably the the slowness of it the art style is cool i feel like they should have added levels or at least areas that had the second game's gameplay i agree that would vary it up a little bit more also give you maybe more to do more actiony so just just to kind of give a nod to that too just not just the first one do do like the types levels from both games. I think it would be amazing. Yeah, there's only so long you can find shaking the same exact tree in just a slightly different level, looking for presents that don't do much to aid in your search of a spaceship part. Indeed. Um, but that being said, it isn't the longest game in the world. You can beat each different game mode in about an hour or so, which isn't too bad. Just kind of like an old Sega Genesis game, and there are a def- decent amount of modes. A tutorial world, which is only about 10 or 11 levels. The main story is not too long, much longer than that. And then you've got your randomly generated worlds and a harder world zone as well. So there's a decent amount of content if you're looking for it. If you're a hardcore Toe Gem and Earl fan, I would say definitely pick it up. Maybe wait for a sale. Yeah, I would have to give the game 7 out of 10. 6 or 7 out of 10. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it six a 6.5 out of 10. I'd give it a 6.5. 
I mean, you know what you're getting if you look up the reviews, if you read the reviews beforehand. They do pretty much everybody mentions that it's the first Toe Jam and Earl game, which absence makes the heart grow fonder. So games have come out since then that have kind of taken the idea of Toe Jam and Earl and expanded upon it, and its gameplay hasn't translated well into the modern age. But if you're looking for a nice retro game, get it on sale. It looks cool. It's definitely evocative of the 90s, but just don't expect to be enthralled with excitement while playing it. And definitely play it with a friend. Yes. We have another game to review. Our last game to review of this podcast. Well, this episode of this podcast. I believe you're correct, bro. So this next one is a game that's actually been out for a while on other systems, but it just came out for PC. Oh yeah? What game is that? Final Fantasy Dissidia NT. So I am a huge fan of, well, definitely just Final Fantasy in general, but I love the Dissidia games, the first ones on the PSP. I have them on my Vita. They're super fun to play. Just pick up, pick your favorite Final Fantasy heroes or villains, and mix and match. You know, have power battle between Squall and Sephiroth. Interesting combinations that you wouldn't see in a normal Final Fantasy game. You could just live out these amazing fantasies fantasy battles Ah, see what you did there is in game but it doesn't come without its problems unfortunately Mm, mm. so i gave it a test i bought the deluxe edition which on steam if you do that you get all the characters and you get access to future characters and uh some other neat little things here and there so maybe we should add in right now oh yeah adding that it's free it is actually free on steam um, it has a rotating roster of four characters every month. I think it's every month. That's not too bad. That's pretty standard for games like that. And if you really like them, you could purchase them, and then you unlock them forever. The downsides, though, of this PC version, it is a straight-up port. And in that regard, I mean, they don't have any anti-cheat, because obviously in consoles, it's pretty difficult to do any hacking or whatnot. PC... Quite the opposite. It's very easy to get some kind of memory editor and edit values in memory. And you could do just that on the online portion of the game, and there's nothing from stopping you from players just changing the value of their health or bravery, which is the damage in this game, the attack damage, to just max at all times. And that's being seen a lot right now. The game's only been out for a couple days, but if it's anything like the other ports that Square... Square Enix, by the way, I always thought it was Enix. Blew my mind when you told me that. Indeed. But if it's anything like the other games Square Enix has ported to PC, they will not be fixing that anytime soon. Final Fantasy Thirteen is still an absolute train wreck on PC. Uh, only, only playable by people who could really just power through the garbage mess that it is on Steam. Definitely play that game on a console if you have the ability to, if you ever want to play that game. Um, But it's super fun, not online. You don't have the crashing and the hangups. You don't have the peer-to-peer connections, which, you know, this day and age, just get a dedicated server. Come on. Come on, Square. Um, Single player is pretty fun. So the differences between the old Dissidia's and this new one is you no longer have the 1v1 battle system. You have 3v3. And, and, uh... It's not like like old like 
tag team kind of like uh, fighters like like Marvel versus Capcom. It's not like that kind of like 2v2 or 3v3. It's all everyone at once in an arena fighting at the same time. So you have three characters versus three characters. And, you know, you have to kind of have teamwork. Well, if you're playing online, you have to, you know, develop the teamwork with, you know, who's going to attack who. Just is, is everyone going to focus one guy down at once? But the the, the the gameplay, it's different than other fighting games. If, if you've ever seen the Final Fantasy Advent Children movie, um, which if you haven't, go see it now. Even if you haven't played Final Fantasy VII, or, yeah, go go watch that movie. It's a really fun movie. But the combat is... They tried to match the combat to that movie as much as possible. The, all the fights are very, very cinematic. Would you say, Mike? Very cinematic fights. They're very cinematic in an anime sort of way. Very larger than life. Very, very big swings. Very high jumps. Well, yeah. You feel like it's it's epic, kind of, when you're fighting. Yeah, it feels like... You don't have that view from the side like Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter where it's the same camera angle. Almost like a ballet. Almost like this ethereal kind of godlike fighting. Like, not human. Yeah. Like, more than that. Yeah, absolutely. Smashing people way up into the air, continuing the fight midair, kind of dancing around in the air, going back onto ground. Crazy magic attacks. The summons are there from the Final Fantasy games. You could summon Rama. You can summon Ifrit. It's a game for the hardcore Final Fantasy players. There's no, there's a story, but it's lacking. If you're expecting, you know, that's what Final Fantasy is known for, is it's stories. If you're expecting a story-driven Final Fantasy game, you've come to the wrong place. It's for those people who want to reminisce. They want, they just want to play their favorite characters in a modern Final Fantasy setting and just have, just power battle like all their favorite enemies too. I will say it was pretty cool to see Zidane upgraded in the modern way. Final Fantasy IX was always my favorite. Obviously, Seven is amazing. But Final Fantasy IX was always kind of like had a special place in my heart because I liked Zidane and I really enjoyed seeing him upgraded with the modern graphics of a, of a PC. That was pretty cool. I completely agree. That is amazing. And all the all the, like Final Fantasy II and three, seeing those little sprites come to life and animated 3d models my but like yeah you could you know i'm a big final fantasy 8 fan and i know there's a lot of final fantasy 8 haters and a ton of final fantasy 7 fanboys so i just absolutely love being able to be squall and kick cloud's ass makes me so happy but but, bro, you also like Final Fantasy VII. No, I like Final Fantasy VII. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I appreciate all the Final Fantasy games. But just that... Mm, on everyone that talks crap to me, because I like Final Fantasy VIII, I could be Squall, and I could kick the ever-loving hell out of, out of Cloud. And I'll team up with Sephiroth to do it in this one. <laughs> I will say, the game is a little too complicated for me. I enjoyed it. It was, but it was. There are certain characters like when I played as a Dane, I, I didn't get his attacks. But when I played as uh, Titus, Titus, 
it's titus it's literally titus dude come on your your childhood is getting crushed i know i cannot say that with a straight face so anyway sorry not titus titus sorry i i pronounced that wrong we both did it's titus it's still a teat anyway (laughs) (laughs) what i'm playing is titus i was able to you know much more easily play the game what you said was making sense at that point on how to play the game how to use your bravery and build up those attacks to build up your damage with the bravery attacks i know what we're talking is nonsense you haven't played the game yet but certain characters when he was trying to explain the game to me when i was a dane for instance i just wasn't under grasping what he was trying to tell me because the attacks were uh, they weren't like your standard type of attack like he said the movement and everything with the attacks is strange but when i was playing as titus I was able to much more easily play the game, and I actually won my round pretty easily. So there is a very high disparity between characters that are easy to control and characters that maybe require a little bit more training. It's a game that requires practice. There's, on that note, though, you could actually customize attacks. What? So, yeah. So, for for example, you're having trouble with, with Zidane. Zidane? I think it's actually Zidane also. Stop! I, I'm sorry, but I'm everything. pretty sure it's Zidane. Um, you can... I know you're having trouble because you're doing an attack that kind of made you go up into the air, angled up, and you were trying to hit enemies below you. You can customize that attack out to a different one that might have a different animation. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so you could still play as a Don, but you can completely change their skill set to suit your style. Well, then, I take back what I said. You know, I don't, because that still takes a little work. Yeah, it's complex. It's complex, and it's not only that. I mean, you do have an RPG system in it in, in, in regards to complexity. You have to level up your characters. There's gear. There's grinding. So you have to play a bunch of matches, get some gill. Go buy some stuff with in-game currency. Not you can you can buy cosmetics also with. Well, it's part for the course when you yeah. have a free-to-play game, exactly, or just any game these days. True. So, can we talk about the Moogles? Koopo. Oh my god, it was adorable. What's wrong, Koopo? Oh god, play list playing the game and and reading it was fine and kind of fun. But when you're being taught by this creature and it just keeps saying, you know, Koopo, Koopo, uh, it's probably the most annoying thing in the world, Koopo. I mean, I don't understand why you hate it so much, Koopo. It's it's just like you don't even notice it at one point, Koopo. They, they just, at the end of sentences, they just say Koopo, Koopo. You know, it's fine. You know, it's I love hearing the word Koopo every 15 minutes, Koopo. 15 minutes, Koopo. It's more like five, Koopo. Less than that, Koopo. It's like every 15 seconds, Koopo. So if you were able to even listen to us talk like that for like two seconds, Koopo, uh, congratulations, you can play this game. If you uh, can't stand that, maybe mute your volume while you're doing training mode, I'm Koopo. I'm pretty sure you could turn off the uh, the Moogle, the Koopo. Because he even talks in-game too, Koopo. Not even just in menus and tutorials, Koopo. He's there to give you hints about what you should do while you're playing, Koopo. Damn, Koopo. That's annoying. Koopo. Koopo. That's the last time. We promise. Koopo. <laughs> Alright, so bro, if you had to score this game, what would you give it? I would give it a solid 
Six out of ten. Only because it's kind of broken on Steam. Ooh. If you had to get this game, for now, if they're going to fix it, don't buy it on Steam. Get it on PS4. If you have a console, get it on PS4. I don't think it's on Xbox. I'm pretty sure it's only on PS4 aside from uh, from Steam. So if you if you got a PS4, don't don't think, oh, I'm going to get it for the pretty graphics. Yes, it does look really nice on PC, but you're going to suffer with the online play, which they really focus on on this game is the online play. If you if you're that much of a masochist and you really want the pretty graphics and you don't care about online play, get the Steam version. But hackers and crashing and terrible netcode for the PC version don't get it for multiplayer on Steam. So that's why I would give it a six out of ten. I would have to agree with you. Uh, even if you like playing games like that offline, um, is there a uh same system gameplay or do you have to play online to play multiplayer i don't think there is a co-op uh a local co-op i don't think so i didn't see anyone when i played gotcha so i'd have to give it a six as well even taking away the netcode aspect of it the gameplay is very niche it's very complicated and a game that you can't even begin to just pick up and play i think always kind of scares me and this game did a little bit. The fact that there were Final Fantasy characters that I remember from my youth made me continue to play for a little bit. But it certainly is a looking a fighting game of a very specific type. So I would agree with your score. All right. All right. So that does it with reviews. So why don't we flip the page? So that does it for this episode of Two Player Bros. Once again, I'm Player One, Mike Butler. I'm Player Two, Alex Butler. So, Alex, you uh, you got anything to plug? I'm going to plug that hole that is my mouth because we're going to stop talking soon. But I'm also going to plug in my Twitch stream. If you guys ever want to watch me, be an idiot there, too. Twitch.tv slash Evangelix, A-V-E-N-G-A-L-E-X. I can spell things. And uh, I play random games here and there. Still playing that Diablo 2 mod a lot on there. Um, might 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 stream uh, some of this Final Fantasy Dissidia game if it doesn't break my computer. That's cool for anybody who gets interested after they listen to it. Yeah, want to see some of it. How about you? Uh, well, I got this podcast. I've got another podcast called Forgotten Cinema with my buddy Mike Field that comes out uh, hopefully in a few weeks uh, about. Movies that, for some reason or another, were forgotten. They might have done well. Maybe they didn't. But we remember enjoying them, and we take another look at them and tell you why they maybe deserve a second look, or maybe they don't. Maybe we've remembered them incorrectly. But either way, we rewatch them. We uh, talk about them. And that's Forgotten Cinema. And I also have another podcast called Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise, where me and my fiance Elise crack open a beer and we talk about it. And while we're drinking it, we go over uh, pop culture news and reviews. So like that's and reviews and well, news. Then maybe you should check out Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise. Booze, news, and reviews. 
That's right. All Bruce right. News and Pop Culture Reviews. As always, a special thanks to Ozd for letting us use his song Getting Started from the Friendship Adventure album. You can listen to that song and more on Spotify or at his website, ozzed.net. Check him out. He has great chiptune songs on there. And I think that's all for us. Why don't you guys just uh, keep on gaming? Two-player bros out. Out.